48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is competing with yourself. So Josh, you, you suggested this topic. I'm, I'm curious on where this came from. Um, it, it, it kind of originates from uh, a, a, a bit of a shift that kind of happened with me from when I was a younger artist to an older artist. And I was listening to a podcast that you had recommended um, where a couple of older cartoonists were talking about... Um, you know, basically, uh, constructive, um, uh, competition versus like kind of, uh, de- destructive competition. Yeah. And it, it was framed in the sense of like, you know, both, both can be, uh, produce good work, but one doesn't produce a lot of fulfillment. And so it just kind of brought to mind some, some memories I have of, of when I, uh, when I was younger as an artist and what drove me, which was much more of the unhealthy competition. Um, and so, uh, and, and where I've kind of turned to more recently. Um, and I just thought that would be a a pretty good topic to hit. So, um, I, I don't know about you, but like when I was starting out with, uh, with illustration and especially when I was working on my BFA, I, uh, I used to like the first time I was in a class at, when I was in art school, like basically I would look at every student in the classroom and I would pick the best student. Like I, from our first assignment, I'd pick like the best piece, the, the piece that made me feel totally inferior. And I would make it my goal, the next assignment to make the a piece that was better or at least matched that piece. Yeah. And, um, and I did that all throughout high school when I was a kid, I always really was driven, um, not so much a young kid, but when I was like in junior high, I, um, I found myself getting really driven by that, like by this, this kind of sense of like picking out the strongest artists and then making it my mission to do better than them. And that works really well in a small pool, like a high school. Right. But um, when you get out into the college level where it's all the best kids from, uh, from all the high schools across the world in one classroom, um, it, it, it becomes a little more difficult to sustain that. And then when you're out of college, like it, it's an impossible thing because you're out of this. It's like you're moving from a, from a, a fishbowl to a pond to a lake to an ocean, and at some point you're gonna be um, a smaller fish, <laughs> right? Um, and so, so yeah. So I mean, like for me, that was a, a real driver, and 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 actually, in a weird way, was healthy in some ways because it did force me to really up my game um, and work a lot harder than I would have otherwise, or like gotten less sleep. Um, and, and leveled up as an artist. Um, but I, but I, before I kind of get into like, like what kind of 
that results in sometimes that are more in the negatives. I was kind of curious if you like relate to that at all, or if you had anything similar with that, with like a competitive <laughs> streak or anything like that. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, I think in both sides of this, uh, where you're competing with yourself or where you're competing with others, um, my, and I, and I've told this a number of times, but my, my thing was that I, tend i as a as a kid i was identified as an artist really early and that idea of myself as an artist terrified me so much that i stopped drawing and just let people continue to think that i was an artist and so i didn't i i like didn't compete for for a long time and then because i thought of myself as an artist even though i never drew anything uh, I started out as my in my bachelor's and, uh, you know, and like I'd take an art class in high school or whatever, and they're just small town. I mean, there were some people that were okay, but I mean, I was just kind of with, with some innate talent and no, and no effort kind of the best there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and that's, that's really subjective. I, I'm thinking of two or three people that were quite good, but, but I didn't feel a ton of competition. So then I went to college and when I when I stepped into drawing one hundred and one, um, I was not. I, w- I was probably the worst in the program, let alone in the class. And so I immediately changed my major, and I didn't draw for fifteen years. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I think. I, I, but but when I but when I, I started drawing again when I was thirty two, right? And so when I when I look at that. I had matured to the point where I think I can use comparison in a healthy and effective way. Um, and I can recognize when it becomes toxic. And so there's this idea that perfectionism is bad. Um, you know, but there's a phrase that started to come out recently called toxic perfectionism. And I like that phrase because it differentiates between the search for quality, um, and, the the negative degradation of that uh where you're beating yourself up and so i i bought a bunch of whoops i bought it i can't gesture anymore with a mic right here i'm gonna get used to that. Uh, i bought a bunch of i bought a bunch of art and i continue to like follow uh comic book illustrators and editorial illustrators and and buy original art and and i study it and i compare what i'm doing to what they're doing um and that has been super helpful. I've heard a ton of times people give the advice like, don't compare yourself to the professionals because you'll feel bad and blah, blah, blah. And I actually think that's crap. I think you should because you need to understand, I need to understand where that gap is and how to close that gap. Yeah. If it's just this ethereal thing with no goal, there's no goal post, there's no finish line, there's no anything. Um, I don't know. I can just incrementally improve by comparing myself to myself and be fine. And I think that's helpful, right? In being able to look back and say, I'm better than I was yesterday. I'm way better than I was a year ago. Um, But if I don't have a direction of where I'm going, like I want to be as good as so-and-so, you know, I want to, I want to compose lighting and shadow like Mignola. I want to be able to understand form like, like Gianni. I want to be able to ink like Murphy, you know, like, and if you're, if you're not shooting for that, in, in a competitive way, um, I, I don't think you have, you're kind of directionless. 
And, yeah. and in either situation, when you're competing with yourself or when you're competing with others, I think the key is to remain positive about it and not toxic. So if at any point in time you're using any of that comparison, whether it's with yourself or with others, to beat yourself up um, or to try to take a snapshot of the moment instead of a, an, an overview of the whole movie of your life. You know, you take a frame out of the movie and say, nope, well, you suck. This is fixed. You're done. Uh, That's really toxic and that's not helpful. So if at any point in time I find myself looking at something and going, oh, man, I am the worst. That's not a place I need to be. And so I, I immediately change that. But if I look at that and I and I'm fascinated by how they're doing it and I'm identifying that gap and reverse engineering how to close that gap. That's all super healthy. And I think that's fine. And then the other thing, the other thing where I think it becomes toxic is if I use comparison to um, try to make myself feel better about myself by diminishing the work of others. And I see this a lot where it's like somebody will look at someone and be like, that guy can't draw feet and he's a published comic book artist and you know, he's an idiot and da 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 or whatever. And it's like, if you're just tearing other people down, you're also not improving and you're a jerk. And so if at any point in time you're using it as a gauge of someone's worth, whether it's your worth or somebody else's worth, you're, you're off in the weeds and you're not doing anything constructive. So those are, those are the two things is as soon as it gets toxic and as soon as you start ranking individual worth, I I think it becomes problematic. Yeah. And I think, um, like for me where it was beneficial to be very um competitive was 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 that the fact that i would look at artists that were successful um within my own circle and then also super famous artists and i constantly would be like struggling to kind of level up and get to that level um and i mean i think some of that's just a healthy uh competition however I do remember when I first got out of art school, um, uh, that drove me really, really well to get paid work. Um, because when, when you go into like a BFA program, everybody gets out and you always want to be, you know, the person who like doesn't have to take a day job and gets an art job, you know, and, or, or better yet, like can manage to eke it out like freelancing and just, growing your brand and and getting clients and um you you know competition drove me to that too where it was like i just didn't want to be the guy who like had just taken out a bunch of student loans and then not ended up in my field and um so there there's a lot of benefits a lot of like positives but where it got negative was i would catch myself um for for one thing like I remember uh, feeling resentment when people had successes right. that I knew, and that's not uh, that's not a sustainable or healthy um, approach to things because what ends up happening is, um, you know, it first off it becomes toxic to like the people around you because if they have successes and you're not kind of cheerleading a little bit, um, then like you're dragging them down when they actually need lifting up. Yeah. Um, and there's challenges that come with successes too. And people need to be kind of carried through that because it's not like, you know, life suddenly gets, you know, problemless. 
um, when you like get a big client because suddenly you're facing a whole different thing. Um, or when you level up as an artist, suddenly you're facing a whole different thing. And um, so, so I kind of like did this for years. Like I was a very, and I wouldn't have said I was at the time, but I was a very competitive person and, and not competitive always in the negative, but always super competitive. Like when I saw other art, I was always sussing it out, analyzing it, seeing where I ranked next to it. It was like, like seeing a, uh, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it wasn't a healthy way of living. Um, and it did become toxic and it did contribute a lot to a lot of, um, unhappiness and resentment. And, uh, you know, I just think overall was not productive for leveling me up as an artist because instead of trying to just be a better artist, I was trying to be better than them. And I think that's that becomes kind of problematic once again because how how far does that go up? Because at some point there are going to be artists that you may never uh, reach, and if your goal is always to beat them, um, you're you're going to find yourself very unhappy on a deathbed because there's somebody above them, you know. Right. Um, so the the idea of like self competition I think is good, and I think when we're younger. Weirdly enough, I think there you can see this in kids too. That you can see them do both of these levels of competition. Um, self competition, I think, is kind of what happens when you're beyond. Like where my son's at right now, it's really fun to watch him draw because he he doesn't have a care in the world. Um, he knows what he's drawing, and he's not super concerned about like getting it right or anything like that. Like he's just he's he's doing his thing. Um, but at some point you reach this point where you like go to school, some moron teacher teaches you to draw in symbols instead of, you know, in, in observation, um, and using shape. Um, they, they tell, you, you know, a house is a box with like, with a triangle on it. And, um, or, or you know, like a, a face is a circle with a, an arc and like two dots which is absolutely not a face <laughs> um and, and you you get kind of programmed to that and then you break from that and when you break from that programming um because you're trying to be you're trying to be more represent like most people have this point um artists like when you get to a point where you're like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try to actually draw what i'm seeing right now yeah and when you're trying to actually draw and learn to see and then accurately interpret what you're seeing um there's all these different levels of frustration but at that point in time in most people's kind of maturity um they actually have probably the healthiest form of competition um where it's like you're just trying to get an eye right so i remember like um like a bunch of times where I wanted to learn how to draw a skull. Like I wanted to draw a human skull correctly. And I just drew skulls over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'd have like sheets full of just skull drawings over and over again. And gradually it just got better and better. And it was very frustrating. But at some point you actually get to the point where you're drawing a skull, like pretty, pretty good, pretty well. And then I wanted to draw eyes because I think when you're a kid, you know, at, at least for me at that point, that's when I was like, got really into MC Escher. I was like, oh, MC Escher's like the best. 
And I was like, he can draw like an eye with a reflection of an eye in the reflection of the reflection of the eye. And, um, and so I, I wanted to learn how to draw eyes. So I just drew eyes over and over again. And I'd look at drawings of eyes and try to figure out like how you draw eyes and how you like, like, how does the eye arc? Like, what are, what, like, what makes it look like a realistic eye? And, um, just multiple little experiments like that. And what, whether I was conscious of it or not, what I was doing at that point in time was literally competing with myself to try to make it better every single time and try to kind of learn from my errors and correct and get better and learn and correct and get better. And um, you make a massive improvement by doing that kind of thing as an artist. Um, and then I think you get, at least for me, I got older you get into classroom situations where it's more like, I want to get the A plus while this kid's getting the A, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and it gets back to like kind of a more just competing with others kind of thing. So, so anyway, my, my only point is um, for me, I've actually found that I think you need a little of both like Corey, yeah. like you were saying, I think I fall on that side, but I also tend to sway if you have to pick between two I do think competing with yourself with with a realistic vision of what it is you're trying to achieve, um, you know, always aiming high, I think it, yeah. it, that's kind of the best way to go, um, at least for myself. But that was a hard kind of thing to learn. But what's interesting is when I finally um, – because I, I remember my – like my even my first graphic novel – a lot of it was just trying to get it out, push it out, um, do it well, do it better than the people I knew, do it to the level of like certain people that were published and stuff like that. And I was looking at certain artists and stuff like that. And I was trying to advance, but um, a lot of that was driven by like, uh, like the desire to be the guy with the book, you know, yeah. rather than the desire to like, be a better artist and learn something in the process of creating it and trying to make the best thing I could. Um, and so like, to me, I think the, for me, I found more value in like stepping outside of the, the competing with others thing and just starting to look at my own work and just asking myself, honestly, where I would like my work to be like, and, and is it there? And if it's not there, like what, what kind of thing am I going to have to do to kind of get there and to kind of like, how am I going to up the ante? How am I going to change like the way I'm doing pages or the way that I'm doing stories or the way that, you know, I'm pre-thinking things and stuff to make a better product. And I ended up much happier for it. So that's why I kind of, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting topic and I, and I think we could probably go on ad nauseum about it, but it's, it um it, it's interesting to me just uh in the sense that i it's something i personally have like fallen on like extremes of both sides that do fall into that destructive category that you were talking about and um and, and finding the balance seems to be kind of trying to keep your it, it's almost like finding true north on a compass you know I guess that sounds kind of cliche, but it's like if if you have kind of a true north, if you have like a, a very clear aim that actually has to do with yourself rather than others, 
um, I, th- I think you're going to end up in a much better spot. Does that make sense? Because it yeah. seems like. Well, I think I think the compa- like I think the compass is a really good analogy because there's there's actually two things or three three points of information that are really useful when you're doing orienteering. Um, I, I as a kid, uh, we would go on fifty to sixty mile hikes in the Sierras, you know, and be be up there for like twelve to you know nine nine to twelve days. I think the longest was probably twelve. Um, and uh, and there and there's three things that you need to know. Like you can. You can know where north is, um, but if you don't know where you're going, then that's not a helpful piece of information. Um, You can know where you're going and you can know where north is, but if you don't know where you currently are, then even those two pieces of information don't help you. Um, And so you actually have to know where you are currently, um, where you want to be, and the direction that you need to take to get there. And so I think I think the compass is a is a is a perfect way to wrap this up because if you are using self-comparison and competing with yourself, then you'll have an accurate understanding of where you are on that map. And then if you're comparing yourself with others, then you'll have an accurate understanding of where you might want to be. Um, and then if you are like reverse engineering and and breaking down uh, the useful information of those that are better than you uh, as as a way of positively mapping out that gap and how to and how to close it then you'll know which direction that you need to head and so if if you are using either your self competition or your competition with others in any way other than trying to find a direction um, and move forward uh, then it's it's probably bordering or has already become toxic um, and, and you need to get out of that because like it's not useful to get mad at the map for telling you where you are. And it's not useful to get angry at the compass for pointing at North, right. You know, or to beat yourself up for being on a specific path that, you know, like none of that is helpful. Um, And so like, I remember several times and and I'll, I'll wrap with this, but I remember several times where we would, we would get lost. We'd take a wrong turn or whatever. We're, we're literally in the middle of nowhere, limited resources, you know, and, and I mean, not that your lives depended on it because I'm sure Rangers or somebody would eventually find you or whatever, but, um, you know, it was, it was a dangerous situation at least. And, uh, and time spent kicking yourself or, or infighting amongst the group and blaming other people and doing that, that, that didn't matter. That was not, that was not useful. It wasn't productive. It wasn't constructive. And there was nothing about that. And so you just, you just took the moment to say, okay, I'm next to a lake. Uh, I I believe I came from this direction. Let's look at the map. Let's try to find some landmarks. Let's try to orient ourselves and figure out where we're going and move that direction. That's just what you did. Yeah. And so I I think I think uh, any, anything beyond kind of orientation and and movement is uh, is is going to be toxic and is not going to be helpful. So yeah, I have one other thing I want to tack. Just at, and I hate doing that, but it's just. Um, now that we're pouring on that analogy, one of the other things um, that I've noticed with, especially when I was teaching students, is like people would usually fall, like you've got north here and they're they're either on this end or this end, like they've, they're mm-hmm. swinging from one direction to the other, kind of missing true north um, as artists. And, and some of them would just kind of beat themselves up and were actually on the right path and then yeah. that got them veering off. But the other that just kind of came to my mind while you were talking about this is um, 
like people who who are going completely the wrong direction and insist it's north. Yeah. And um and so <laughs> that would compass be is wrong. <laughs> that would be the case kind of tying back to what you started with, which is the the kind of unproductive toxic form of self-competition, which is I know north. I like and I I had a lot of students like this and actually most students who come in to colleges kind of come in with a little bit of this cuz like I said it's all the best people from the smallest pool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they all feel really good because they probably were the best um, in their town or in their area or amongst their friends. Um, and so they, they aren't used to being in a scenario where they're putting their work up next to all the guys they buy the work of, you know? Um, and so uh, that, that I guess that would be, one of the big things to watch out for when you, when you're getting into this, this competition is don't uh, insist that North is North be objective and really look, because if you're objective and you really look and you really listen, um, then, then you're going to see like how far off from North you are. And it's a lot easier to course correct than just kind of insisting on going in the wrong direction. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, I, another topic that we need to hit is uh, is receiving criticism because you're there's so many stories of students who just would argue with me, and I'm I'm just like I just want to tell them, listen, you don't have to listen to me, but objectively, like you're claiming that this is subjective, but objectively, I can tell you for a fact and with experience that what you're producing right now is not good, and yeah. these are the reasons why. And I had somebody I had somebody at one point in time say. Well, agree to disagree. And I said, that's, that's fine. You can agree to disagree all you want. You're going to fail the class. And then you can go complain about me and go on rate my professor and tell me, tear me apart or whatever. And you can agree to disagree to your grave. But the fact of the matter is that I am right in this situation. <laughs> and so anyway, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing because there, there are teachers that are wrong. And I, I try to yeah. be one of those people that... I know my limits and I understand my, you know, and I don't, I try not to give subjective feedback as objective feedback, but anyway, it's, it's an, it's a whole interesting, I think that would be, I think that would be a really fascinating topic. Yeah. Giving, oh, giving and receiving feedback. Objective criti- uh, criticism would be good too. Yeah. Um, all right. So this has been a fun uh, conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it in the chats. Um, thanks to everybody who showed up in the chats. Um, it's it's just neat. And Scott, we are really glad you you caught us this time live. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And uh, I, I we're going we're going long on Mondays. And so if you are watching this later, or if you're watching this now. Um, I'd like to know a topic that you guys are interested in. Um, we, we can, we've got a big list of topics and we can keep hitting those, but if there's something in particular that you guys would like to hear about, um, and you'd like to hear us, uh, wax eloquent and pot- pontificate long, um, usually with, uh, Scott Circland in the mix as well. Um, leave, leave a comment on, on topics that you would like. We've had some great comments in the past that have given us episodes worth of, of feedback. So, and in the meantime, if you want to check out my work, you can go to CoreyKerr.com. And um, if you want to check out Joshua Kimball's work, you can go to QuarterlyStories.com. And uh, we've both got different things going on there. Uh, make sure that if you haven't yet, that you subscribe and ring that bell for Josh's channel, which you're on right now. Um, and if you would like to help Josh out, you can go to Tapas. 
Uh, io and find quarterly stories, subscribe and uh, do all those metrics that help help that type of thing. And uh, you guys are awesome. Have a great weekend, and we will see you Monday. Corey, Corey, yeah. one thing. What's up? Um, we got to say what day of the hundred days we're on. So this is day five <laughs> of the hundred days of making comics challenge for me because um, I'm stupid and started early. <laughs> and where are you at, Corey? I haven't been keeping track. I've been okay. spending several hours a day on it since the first I of think, the year. So yeah, yeah. So I think you're on day <laughs> four. So I okay. yeah. So that's our that's our update yeah. on the hundreds. All right. So, so day day four, I made. I'm gonna do this thing. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you guys later. We're out. Cool.